Hey, Tyler. What's up? Let's talk about trees. What about them? You a big tree guy? Big tree guy. Absolutely. Everybody's a big tree person yeah. this time of year. You too, right? Yeah, big tree person. Yeah. Big tree. Yeah, yeah. Are you a real tree or a fake tree person? Oh, uh, we're a real tree family. Really? Yeah. Wow. How'd grew, you get there? Well, I grew up not a real tree family. Okay. So we were the the setup, the you know, every individual limb and you got to fluff them all out and stick them on one at a time. <laughs> the and old then, school ones. Oh yeah. And then wrap the lights around and then inevitably a bulb goes out. And so then you spend another hour fixing the bulb and then fluffing out more branches. And, you know, by the end of the day, the tree is like, it's miserable to put together, <laughs> but grew up same tree every single year. Parents still use the same tree that I grew up with. Man. I know still holding on. That's um, crazy. But then I married into a real tree family. Okay. And okay. so by proxy, in. I am now a, a real yeah. tree family. Married in. <laughs> yeah. I see. I yeah. see. Have y'all set your tree up? We have. Yeah. Okay. It's ready yeah. to go. We are ready. All Got the right. eight foot tree in the living room. Wow. It's nice. I know. We, we were able to up it, up a foot this year. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, and are you, uh, are you multicolored lights or are you the white lights? Oh, uh, we're multicolor. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's fun. I don't yeah, we, know that I would have pegged Natalie for a multicolor. Oh yeah, no, she's she's even more of the multicolor wow. than I am. Uh-huh. Wow, I was classic. It yeah. was like growing up, you know, my mom only wanted white lights in the house. Mm. So uh, yeah, so we we'd always do a real tree though. Always yeah? from Lowe's. Okay, so you're uh, a real tree. Yeah, always from Lowe's. Okay. I'm so tired of them. Still though. a real tree. Still, yeah. Yep, still a real tree. Wow. Catherine won't give in. Um, <laughs> but you would give in. Oh, I was oh, I've tried so yeah. hard. I want I want to. Yeah. Have one. you seen those new ones where you press a button and the thing collapses into itself? Oh my goodness! Oh yeah, their trees are just up Geniuses in the tech every year. Out here. Yeah, absolutely. Geniuses out here just designing <laughs> stuff. I love it. Here we go. Weekly hope. We're back. Welcome everybody to Weekly Hope. Glad to be here with you and getting ready to head into our Christmas season. But we're finishing off uh, part one of our John series. And we're in John chapter 7 this week, so we'll jump back into it next year as we get ready to go through the rest of the Gospel of John. But uh, this week we're in John 7, and we see that Jesus comes back to kind of a familiar setting that he's generally in, which is uh, getting into debates and trouble with the Pharisees and religious leaders. So He's so good at it. He really really (laughs) is. Uh, It's like all of John 6, all of John 7, a lot of John 8 is is a lot of this. so, uh, and, and it really does come back down to the question of authority and uh, his teaching, mm-hmm. which is, some would say, controversial or mm-hmm. different than what they were teaching. And so uh, we, we cover the whole chapter here in John 7, but it really surrounded around this um, event, the Feast of Booths. And he was there, and uh, brothers kind of were mocking him, saying, hey, you should go up there. And he says no, and then he does. And we talked a lot about what it what was the Feast of Booths. Yeah, can you give and, a summary? Yeah, I'd be glad to. Um, I actually didn't know all of the details of this, but I thought it was pretty fascinating as I had studied and learned more about it. But uh, it's one of the three primary feasts in the nation of Israel, and it really came out of Leviticus 23, um, where God had commanded the nation to remember this, and particularly came from that time of wandering in the wilderness mm-hmm. And so uh, God, you know, commanded them uh, to take a week-long feast and commemorate and remember that. And so um, it, w- it was really a joyous time. It happened in, in October, and kind of this fall harvest um, feast uh, was w- certainly the most joyful of all of the the feast. And so people would bring all the fruits of their labors and 
food and come together and bring palm branches and willow branches and they would build these little booths and they still do that to this day but um, would build these outdoor dwelling places and essentially for a week sleep outside and decorate that with um, you know their different fruits and different uh, things and, and their palm branches and willow branches and have thatched roofs so they kind of an open air type of setting and would sleep in that and remember God's faithfulness um, during that season of wandering in the wilderness, uh, but also be a great time of prayer and praise for the year ahead that God would continue to provide for them. So uh, pretty pretty neat uh, memory. And then what would happen every day would be they would go to the temple, take their palm branches, take their things, and uh, one of the priests would take this golden pitcher of water, go down to the Pool of Siloam, fill it up, bring it back to the altar and pour it out, and the people would, they would recite Isaiah 12, which is with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Mm. And then they would sing the Hallel in Psalm 113 through 118. Do you want me to sing that for you real quick? Please do. I would love <laughs> it. Uh, I would love it. Uh, and then after all this ceremony, they would wave their palm branches and cheer and shout. Uh, and that would lead up to the, the great day, the last day, where they would do all of that mm. seven times. And so that kind of sets up this backdrop for what's happening as Jesus comes and begins to preach in the temple, and what you really start to see happen is like divisions among the people, and some people are questioning, uh, who is this, Uh, why is he teaching, how does he have this Mm. sort of knowledge or understanding. Some people, we we define that there were really four different categories, types of people that you see, those who are hostile towards Jesus, and I think anytime, we talked about yesterday, like anytime you hear Jesus presented or talked about, like there's going to be those who are hostile toward him. Mm. And then uh, we talked about those who were curious and confused. Mm. Um, And some people were curious about Jesus, like could this really be the Messiah? And are these people really trying to kill him? And some were confused and just saying like, wait, we thought that when the Messiah would come, he would come like in a flash, like in an instant. And we know where this guy's from. Like we know where he was born and we like know where he grew up, and we know his parents, and so how could that? How could he be the Messiah? And so those are curious and confused. Sure. Um, and then, like verse thirty-one says, that there were many people who believed in him, and they they said, like, man, when when Christ appears, like, could he possibly even do more signs than this? And the answer obviously is no. Um, and so uh, many come out of John seven believing in and following him. So that kind of sets the stage for verses 37 to 39, which was really the crux of the sermon this week. But Tyler, I'll kick it over to you, man. Out of all that, that was a huge recap. Sure. But, uh, was there just anything kind of that first part that stood out to you or that you learned or thought was an encouragement uh, to share with our people? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the Feast of Booths, uh, like we talked about at lunch, is a, one of the underrated um, events that happens in the Bible. So yeah. you hear about Passover, you hear about Pentecost, but you don't hear as much about this one. So uh, just just being able to sit and like learn more about what that was like and just even just kind of sit and think for a second, the, just all the practice and the time and energy throughout the calendar people would give towards these events of repentance is, is pretty cool and pretty, um, just amazing to see the, the dedication and the fact that it like still goes on today is, is super interesting. Yeah. Um, just a side note is really does fascinate me is like, and there are multiple and like many feasts in the calendar year that, like people would go spend a week attending, and I mean, how just how fascinating oh, is I know. that we don't like have that built into our culture in any way, shape, or form. I mean, maybe, 
maybe Thanksgiving, you know, yeah. where it's like you're going to kind of go see family and sure. stuff. But um, but just you know, for like everyone to stop what they're doing, everybody and spend and everybody yeah. slows down. Yeah, and everybody super interesting. Goes and remembers and how. Uh, yeah, how fascinating it is culturally uh, that we don't have. And oh, maybe we can learn something from that. But, yeah, definitely. And I think you like brought out um, just in, in Jesus's response at this time, it's really interesting because you're right. I mean, he pretty much like hits the entire spectrum of people that would relate to Jesus everywhere from hostile to belief and, and everything in between. Yeah. And so I think like all of us come to Christ in different aspects and come to him with different um uh, just emotion behind that relationship. And so I think it's uh, particularly interesting and important in passages like this where you can see how Jesus would respond to each of those. Yeah. I think, you know, it's interesting in like cultural South and where we are, most people probably come to Christ and it's, you know, beginning at a place of curiosity. For sure. And not so agree. much hostility, whereas maybe other parts of the world or even other parts of the United States, you know, there may be some level of hostility or you grow up and you, you know, hate church culture or hate what you think you hate Jesus or, or, or whatever it is that comes along with that. You know, I think for us and a lot of our, a lot of our people would probably say they, their story started off with, you know, maybe some level of curiosity or confusion of like not fully understanding the gospel or mm. being interested because of a parent or a family member or a friend or somebody that, you know, shared the gospel with them, uh, you know, which led to a, a journey of, searching and trying to understand and the Holy Spirit working in their life, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to salvation. And so uh, I think that's just, you know, pretty interesting for us and maybe a good, good question for community groups to discuss is, you know, what, what was the beginning of your journey with Jesus uh, like? You know, was it a place of hostility or was it a place of curiosity or um, confusion or what led you mm-hmm. to belief? Um, would be would be a good thing to reflect on and think yeah, about, definitely. Uh, and, and probably hear some pretty cool stories of, of how God's worked in all of our lives. No, for sure, and I think that like transitions well into um, the focus on the Spirit and the focus on the Holy Spirit that Jesus is alluding to here, and the way that that guides each and every believer um, to Himself. Yeah, I had no under- I absolutely had no clue about the context of this when it came to you know, like the people quoting Isaiah 12, mm. three during this feast. And it's one of those, again, side note, that's fascinating when you, when you study scripture and then you study context around scripture mm-hmm. that like it illuminates and opens up so much more of why things are said and how they're said. And I mean, I think if you just, you read John seven at its face and it's, a fantastic chapter for sure uh, obviously but like when you understand some of the events surrounding it and and the context of what's happening here it really does make a lot more sense you know it's not just Jesus randomly standing up and just quoting this verse that uh-huh. many of us know you know like, sure. like saying this random statement off the cuff you know but coming out of that context of with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation and the people like hoping in and praying for and remembering how God has saved their forefathers in the past from little literal starvation and, and literal thirst uh, and provided them like with actual dwelling places and protection when they were wandering and homeless, mm. you know, and, and being reminded and, and asking God to do that again. And it's like, here's Jesus, you know, yeah. standing mm-hmm. there. Like, here he is, and he stands up in the midst of all of this commotion, you know, this, this day where this would have been happening seven times. Um, and, and says, you know, these famous words that if anyone thirsts, 
let him come to me and drink, you know, and, and claims it. He's like yeah. the way to salvation. Like it's, it's to him uh, and really goes back to claim like the fulfillment of Isaiah 12, three. And so, you know, he says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then verse 39 is super helpful because you wouldn't know what any of that means <laughs> if John didn't provide some context. Uh, but he says, now he said this about the spirit whom those uh, who believed in him were to receive. Mm. For as of yet, the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So we know that the Spirit's given at Pentecost and Acts you know, to, the, to the disciples. And so uh, that's, that's like what we have today, you know, yeah. this helper yeah, that yeah. Jesus has promised. And it's, it's so cool for every believer you know, to have the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we can look back on this and, and be reminded that like, we've been filled with God's Spirit. Mm. And it's, it's not just like this throwaway piece of the Trinity, sure. you know, but it's what empowers all of us to, to believe and to live our lives. And so one of the things we want to do is say that, yes, I mean, this, this is an evangelistic passage and in Jesus's words, it's, it's both universal mm-hmm. that everyone can come, but it's also limited to those who are thirsty. And so like, we do have to recognize a need for salvation sure. and uh, and anyone who who wants to come can come that recognizes they need salvation. Um, so we talked about that, but then out of that, we talked about the the work and the role of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in the life of a believer. And so, man, what is? Why don't you take a moment and talk a little bit about that and, sure. and the work and and role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer? Yeah, definitely. Um, but j- just before that, I, one of the things that I, I think is pretty interesting in um, just the way Jesus uses the Old Testament and responds. Um, using that is is particularly amazing in the way that like we come to God's word currently. So like when we sit and we come to God's word, we look to see like how to apply this to our lives. Mm. And the model we get of that is Jesus doing that very thing. He is using the text from God and using the inspired word to apply it to our lives and apply it to the lives of those in that situation. Yeah. And I think that's particularly amazing because when we go to God's word, we typically look for at least three things, which is who is God who are we and who is Jesus in light of both of those things. And this is kind of one of those full circle moments where we see Jesus answering that very question for us and kind yeah. of making that easy for us. And I think that's, that's like a, a just natural teaching that comes from him. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. And so with that, he, he speaks a lot about this idea of the Holy spirit and like Chris shared a, a little bit of um, how, how the aspect of the Trinity that guides us and that applies to our lives. And, and you kind of, pointed it out as three things that the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, it calls us, it comforts us, and it convicts us. Mm. And I think it's a really good way to um, just kind of simplify some of the actions that occur in our life, that that is how we grow closer with the Lord is through the act of those three things, that the Lord has called me to repentance and he calls me towards a life of following him. Mm-hmm. And so as a result of that calling, I am now closer to the Lord and I am more um, like the image that he has designed me to be. Yeah. And then in those times when I fail at that, he comforts me consistently because we will fail all the time. And so the same spirit that calls us to repentance also comforts us when we fail at it. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, it's also the very thing that gives us a conviction towards Christ and a conviction towards the holy life and towards a life of honor towards him. Yeah. So this is totally off the cuff, and I didn't really have time or get into this in the sermon uh, yesterday, but I want to talk to you about it for a minute, sure. and I think it could be helpful to, to to most of our people, because I think, and if you're a believer, like you're you're a follower of Jesus, and you know, like there's been a time in my life that 
that I believed. Mm-hmm. You know, I recognized I was a sinner, and I knew I needed salvation, and I placed my my faith in Jesus sure. and asked Him to forgive me of my sins. Um, and and there's like, for many of us, probably a pretty powerful moment. Like, I mean, it's like life changing moment. You know, and maybe you've you got baptized after that, mm-hmm. and you have this moment where you can really like you can point towards like, man, I was cleansed of my sin. It was like changed. I'm a new person. My old life is dead and gone. A new life. Uh, like I'm raised to walk in new life. And then like you keep on living life. Uh-huh. You keep on going. Yeah. And, and you're a year later or you're 10 years later or you're 50 years later. And what do you do when like you consciously know mm-hmm. I have the Holy Spirit like that? I, I agree with all of this. Sure. Yeah. But, I'm in a season where I don't feel mm. like the Holy Spirit. Like I don't feel any different or I don't feel like calling or comforting or convicting, you know, yeah. and, and maybe you go through some times where you have like this, you know, spiritual high where sure. you go to a worship concert or you, there's just like that song that always comes up and it just makes you feel warm and fuzzy and, you know, you, you love it and, you know, or you hear a great sermon and you're like convicted and, all that stuff that happens, you know, in, in seasons and times and days in our life. But like, then there's all the other days. Uh-huh. And so Tyler, I mean, take a moment and talk sure. to us. Like, what do you do when you just don't, you just aren't feeling it, you yeah. know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's not obvi- obviously our faith is not built on feelings. Uh-huh. Um, so like, what's your suggestion or your help to our people who are just, you know, just normal people trying sure. to live their life and, and love Jesus, you know, but maybe don't, maybe don't feel the, the Holy Spirit, actually doing great work in their life today? Yeah. I mean, the first question I would ask is, is are you seeking the Spirit? Hmm. Like, I think it's very easy for us to get frustrated and feel like we're not seeing the Spirit work in our lives or um, guiding us in a way that we are satisfied with. But the first piece that typically comes for me is, uh, if I'm honest with myself, I'm also not seeking Him. Hmm. And so if I am seeking Him, if I'm looking for those things, then uh, it's often a lot easier to tell that the Spirit is working. I can't remember who told me this, but someone described it as like, if I'm wanting to, to lose weight or, or uh, exercise more, and so I buy a treadmill. And so I buy a treadmill, have it in my house, and... Um, we'll say but, a Peloton. That's yeah, a Peloton, yeah. sure, yeah, sure. For our people, a pe- yeah. Peloton. <laughs> <laughs> so I buy a Peloton because I want to lose weight. And the Peloton just sits in the garage, and yeah. I don't use it. Yeah. And so I return the Peloton... And they ask me, well, why are you returning this? It's, oh, well, I didn't lose weight. It's like, well, did you use the Peloton? You know. And so we're told constantly by Jesus that we have the Spirit, and the Spirit indwells in us, and it guides us. But are we seeking that Spirit? Are we allowing it to guide us in a way that we are like letting it? Are you using the Spirit that the Lord has given you? And it's like, that would be the first question. And obviously that can look like, uh, that can manifest in a lot of different ways. So through time in the Word, through time in prayer, through fasting, through just the actions of a holiness. Mm-hmm. And so um, like seeing sin and um, sharing that with people and trying to like flee from it and remove that from your life and sharing what Jesus has done in your life with others. Those are our major moments where they're scary and they're hard and none of those are easy to do, mm-hmm. but they force us to rely on a spirit that is greater than us. Yeah. And so you see these moments where uh, you can feel the spirit more intense or more powerful because you're having to rely on it. And so the, I think those would be like the, the quick and easy ways I would say, um, how can you see the spirit more in your life? We'll seek it more. 
Yeah. Well, and I'd say, I mean, you know, for our people to understand that I mean, there is there is zero effort in justification. Mm. And, and justification is that big theological word of like the, the act of being, being made just. Like uh-huh. we're, we are made right before God. And it's that, that transubstantiation where like, you know, we are, we are, God imputes to us his righteousness. Mm. And we are, we are made holy in that moment of like believing. Sure. And placing our faith in him. And like that's that's effort free. It's literally yeah. by grace through faith. That's it. But there is great effort in sanctification, mm. and that's that process of over life being made more like Christ. Sure. And that that takes like intentionality and time, and and prayer and fleeing sin and those aren't like matters of your justification. Yeah. But like there should be some level of desire. In life, and, and it happens probably over over like time to mm-hmm. a greater degree as you grow, and you should, you know, as a follower of Jesus, like look back. Maybe you don't feel it today, but look back over the course of a year mm-hmm. or two years or ten years, and you are closer, and your your life has changed, and it's different, For and, sure. and you're you're fleeing sin, and you're repenting, and repenting in a way that you're changing your actions and, and your behaviors. Um, you know, again, that doesn't always happen overnight in every person's life, but over time it does happen as we're being made more like Christ. But I think the, the work and the role of Holy Spirit in our life, we have to understand it's, it's both like active mm. in that it's like, it's happening as we activate the Holy Spirit and yeah. we're pursuing him. And it's, there are moments and times and days and sermons and songs and all the worship that like activates and you, you like, it's very, very real and very, you're very conscious like that the Holy Spirit's calling you or comforting you or convicting you. Uh, but then it's also in the background. Mm. And so the Holy Spirit's always there working and moving. Uh, even if you don't see or feel, uh, feel it today, like but the Holy Spirit is, is, living and active and working inside of us um in the background even if today like i don't i don't recognize the holy spirit being there you know in this moment and so and i think that's part of like what romans talks about that he like holy spirit intercedes on our behalf like prayers like praise even when we don't like know what to pray that like the holy spirit is there interceding for us and you're like, well, what does that mean? I don't know. Like, I'm, I don't know. I got to uh-huh. be in theology, but sure. uh, you know, but like, is there uh-huh. um, always and in, in working and active? Yeah, and I think one of the greatest reminders, like you said, of that spirit working is is looking back and so seeing how the Lord has delivered you. Because like for me, like practically, I, I've had so many different plans for my life that I thought I was going to do, and then I can look back and see that I'm not doing any of those things. Mm. But the Spirit has guided me in a way that has been so much sweeter than I could have ever imagined. Yeah. And that was a result of like the Spirit guiding me a different direction than me and my flesh or me and my ideas thought. Yeah. And, and those are like gentle and sweet reminders that I can constantly look back to, to yeah. see the Spirit. Because it's yeah. hard on the day-to-day. It's hard to say, like, I have a decision in front of me that I have to make. And so, well, what is the Spirit calling me to do? Well, that's hard to know for sure, but we can know as Christians that the Spirit is always with us. So whichever decision we do make, the Spirit guided us in that path. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. 
I also just fact-checked myself. Uh, transubstantiation was not the right word that I was looking for in that moment. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, y'all. Right. We're not going to go back and edit. the bread and wine. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to go back and edit this. That was, again, being theology. I, I said that, and I fact-checked myself. I was like, that's not right. Uh, <laughs> we went back. He imputes to us his righteousness. Uh, that's what I meant. <laughs> so here's your pastor, y'all, uh, working on this. So... Just letting the spirit I guide him here. <laughs> uh, well, hey, we just a couple quick announcements. We have a few big things coming up in the life of Hope Church. Uh, this Sunday is going to be awesome. It's it's going to be a Sunday where we talk a lot about the future and uh, just vision and what God's called us to and talk a little bit about our, our DNA. So I'm really, really excited about that and some of the things coming in the days ahead. So you want to be here, invite a friend, invite a family member uh, this Sunday, December 4th and 10 a.m. And then on the 10th, we're doing a Serve Saturday. Uh, we're going to be going into our community, inviting people for Christmas Eve service, doing some other little projects um, as a church together. So uh, we'll be meeting at the parking lot, and you can sign up for that and get more details about it on our website. Uh, we're going to do an all-volunteer Christmas luncheon on December 18th, uh, right after our service at 11 a.m. It's going to be a fun just kind of Christmas party, celebrate. we got gifts for all of our volunteers that we're excited to, to give out. And then uh, big thing, Christmas Eve service. At 5 p.m., uh, we'll be gathering on Christmas Eve and having a great time together. And we will come back on Christmas Day at 10 a.m. and just do a, a combined family service. Uh, we'll be separate from our Christmas Eve service. So we just want to invite you. If you want to come back and hang out with us on Christmas morning, we get, get to do it about once every seven years. So that would be a fun time to do that. And uh, those are the big announcements coming up. You can find more information about all that on our website, hopechurchjc.com. Hope you guys have a blessed week, and thanks for tuning in and listening to this podcast.